Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 81 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we're discussing The Muppet Movie from director James Frawley, 1979, starring Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Ooh, new but franchise. Before, oh, yeah, yeah. We are starting off with uh, The Muppet Movie, and we're going to do every Henson-related Muppet movie. So we're not doing, you know, the most recent two where there was not a Henson attached. Yeah. Um, although, who knows? Maybe we'll really fall in love with this, and we'll just keep the, keep the ball rolling. Yeah, we'll see. Um But before we get into this discussion, Thomas, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Absolutely. The Muppet Movie 1979, directed by James Frawley, Kermit and, sorry, (laughs) Kermit the Frog, make sure I get that right, I gotta put some respect on his name. Kermit and his newfound friends trek across America to find success in Hollywood, but a frog legs merchant is after Kermit. I feel like I stumbled over okay. a couple of words there. But uh, yes, this is an adventure. Kermit, going to Hollywood. He's going to Los Angeles. The Muppets origin story. Uh, Daniel. A road movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. a, road, a road trip movie. Daniel, what do you think of this movie? What do you, well, sorry, what's your history with the Muppets? Let's start there. My history, my history with the Muppets. Uh, I grew up watching the Muppet Babies. I don't know if you were familiar with the Muppet Babies. Yeah. Um, I, didn't really, I didn't really watch the Muppet show too much. But... Um, I loved those Muppet Babies, and I loved hearing them sing at Kokomo. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the regular Muppet show might have been ahead of our time by like, yeah, like t- twenty years or so. Like it was like. 79. I don't think it was until I was like a teenager, really, that I started watching the Muppet Show. Yeah. Um, I had a girlfriend who, like, we we were both we both got really into it. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. How about you? Tell me about yeah. What's your history with the Muppets? I don't really have much Muppet history. Like, I was a big, like, Thomas the Tank Engine fan for obvious reasons. My name is Thomas. There was a, a cartoon also named Thomas, and so that was that was a pretty big thing for a long time in my in my childhood. And then, like I say, like, Jurassic Park, and once that sort of became a thing, it was just like, oh, movies and other things. And so I think Muppets might have was under my radar a little bit. I, I know I had a VHS of the Muppets Christmas Carol, but... As far as it being like a thing, I was more into like Power Rangers and Pokemon and other stuff as a kid. So yeah, yeah like the Muppets weren't like really big. And so as I got older, older, I didn't really care too much. And so when they did like the big like revival around like 2010, 2011, it was just like, and eh, like I'm kind of lukewarm about Jason Siegel, kind of lukewarm about the Muppets. So yeah. I, it, I wasn't super, super into it. But uh, after rewatching this, it's just like wow! I feel like I missed out on some on some a lot of fun stuff because there's, this is just d- delightful. Yeah, um, yeah. I was I grew up on the Labyrinth, and so Jim yeah. Henson was always yeah. I grew up on the Labyrinth. I would watch a little bit of Fraggle Rock, and I grew up watching Muppet Babies. So like the Henson like family of content, and obviously like Sesame Street when I was little. Yeah. So yeah. like the Henson like family of content was like always there. But uh, yeah, I just never really dipped into these movies or the Muppets show. But um, as far as this movie goes, like I think one of the things, one of the things I love about this movie is that we've talked about this on the show. I'm very particular about music, <laughs> and this movie, every song is a banger. <laughs> like yeah. they're all, they're all very good, <laughs> and uh, and it's like the Muppets as characters, and even like these songs and like the way the songs are sung there's like this dirty quality to everything. Like, um, I don't know. Like there, there's a Muppet in here, a human sized Muppet who's just filthy and like covered in rags. <laughs> and it feels like this is a movie from 1979 and it, there's something about it. Like it feels 
yeah, it's coming for out of like this hippie era. Yes, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's much, it's it's dirtier and I don't know. It's not. They're not clean. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. I, I just keep reiterating how dirty they are. I think ragtag is a good way to put it. That's a word. Ragged. Friend, yeah, ragged. <laughs> I think my my friend Jack uses that word a lot, like to describe like musical kind of collections of people kind of like that grateful dead kind of vibe where it's like yeah it's like you're kind of putting a lot of random pieces together but together it just makes like kind of like this really beautiful collage of like like rough counterculture kind of things and like yeah dr teeth and the electric mayhem like it reminds me of like captain beefheart or something like that i don't know if you ever gotten to captain beefheart but no not really it's just like this sort of like dirty blues hippie music and uh I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for the Muppets, and I, I think as far as this movie goes, like it's a road movie. It's fine, doing some cool stuff. I think the special effect of Kermit riding a bike is unparalleled. <laughs> uh, there's never been a better special effect. But yeah, that shot, that that pan is flawless. Just him just biking through. <laughs> we, yeah, we got some. Uh, I feel like every time a human pops up in this movie, I'm like, who's that? <laughs> like, yeah, I yeah. know that's a famous person. Who is it? Uh, and and then there's some like bigger people who are still relevant, like Steve Martin. Um, but yeah, there's there's a weird uh, Confederate flag that makes an appearance at some point. I yeah. don't know if you picked up on that. I did, I did write that in my notes, yeah. It, <laughs> uh, it does cross-frame in a very particular way. I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. But uh, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's my favorite Muppet movie that I've seen, because this one is more just like, it, it's a road movie. The Muppets kind of get in the band together. It's less of the Muppets doing a take on some sort of, you know, more tropey story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because, yeah, this is, like, yeah, pretty, like, kind of ground level, but it's still, like, I think pretty charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me your thoughts. What are your thoughts on this? Honestly, like, I was, like, watching this movie. I put it on earlier, and, like, my mom is working from home in the other room, and I had, like, I was really into it. Like, the, the Rainbow Connection was, like, really heartfelt. I was like, wow, this is, like, a really sweet, heavy song. Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide So we've been told and some choose to believe it I know they're wrong, wait and see Like Kermit kind of just talking about like I don't know, it's like like yearning and like wanting, like it's just like this really introspective yeah. kind of like sweet song to start it off with. After we get this like kind of chaotic uh, framing device of all of the Muppets in the theater, like oh like, we're about to watch a movie, but like we just get like this nice camera m motion through the the seats of the theater where they're just like just oh, it's just chaos, it's just Muppet chaos, and it's just a lot of fun. But once it starts, I was like, wow, this is like really like sweet and nice. <laughs> and then um, like yeah, Kermit riding on the bike sort of caught me off guard because I was like, this is like really just a, a really funny image and then the the gag of him riding up to the cement truck there's a truck behind him and a truck in front of him and then he hops up and he's like oh good thing frogs can hop or else i would have been gone with the schwinn and i had to oh pause the, I had to pause <laughs> yeah. the movie because i was la i was like i'm gonna like make my mom mad the, like how much i'm laughing right now i had to like go and watch the movie outside because i was like if this is gonna be a pun fest i'm gonna be so fucking happy and yeah it's like i feel like yeah if we were a little bit older these cameos would hit a little bit harder i was happy to see richard pryor 
happy oh, to see yeah. uh, happy to see Cloris Leachman like those cameos were like really fantastic but yeah this movie is just like so great and I feel like I've missed out on a little bit of my childhood by like not watching these movies earlier because yeah this movie is just like so much fun and like there's just sight gags throughout the entire thing and the Muppets have so much personality and like I don't I didn't really like Miss Piggy as a kid but I think here I can appreciate just like just how like you can just feel like who this person is just by just the uh, just the physicality of like when they go on the date and she like comes in just like <laughs> spreads across the door and just like this grand diva entrance and it's just like yeah those the personalities just really shine through I love uh, Rolf the dog that was uh, a, a character I wasn't expecting to like love as much but, like when he's like doing a little bluesy jazz piano moment after Piggy leaves him. But yeah, there's just so many great moments in this movie. Um, I was going to say, what's like one of your favorite like gags or jokes? In My this? favorite joke I wrote down, it's uh, when they're on the road and they're going to collide with Gonzo and we keep cutting between yeah. Gonzo <laughs> and them and Gonzo and them and then they just say, we missed it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that was my favorite. Yeah, uh, and then the you? cars on top of each other is great <laughs> going into the thing. Yeah, and uh, actually, my favorite joke is right after that where they're dealing with the car salesman, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever price is on the sticker," and it's like a like a eleven hundred or whatever ninety five, and he like slaps a fly on there. Then it's like, "Oh, now it's like a dollar. Oh, now the car is eleven dollars and ninety five cents." <laughs> just like I just thought that was so clever the way that that unfolded. It's just really funny. And then obviously, I'm a big fan of the uh, the screenplay joke, the, the the setup and the payoff of that is just fantastic. There's, yeah, there's something to the quality of the comedy here where it kind of reminds me of, like, the Marx Brothers or something. Yeah, where it's yeah. just about, like, creative gags and the comedy, it feels kind of old-fashioned. Um, it's all about cleverness and wit. It's not about, like, it's not too much antics. It's not too much... Um, I don't know, just like absurd scenarios. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely see what you're saying because yeah, there's a, a moment when he's talking to like Dom DeLuise in the beginning. I forget who the person is, that comedian that he's like the the Asian from Hollywood that rolls up. And uh, there's just so many little verbal gags in that little moment where he's just like, uh, say it slowly, like Hollywood or something like that. Or like, you know, just the way that they're having the, the exchange is all verbal it's not really slapsticky until the alligator shows up and chases him away but until that yeah. it's all just like it's all verbal there's a great one later in the movie when he's like uh bear left and Francie's like oh yeah bear left frog right and it's just like no it's like no it's like turn left it's just, yeah that's it's, a, that's a fucking yeah. <laughs> marks brothers thing yeah like. this is a vaudeville yeah it's just like yeah like like who's on first but like it's just so much more funny when it's just like yeah these muppets in these really absurd situations i always uh think about um this joke from the Marx Brothers where someone's saying like uh, oh yeah like they're talking about like um, finances for some, something and like uh, Chico says something about like oh I got a brother who lives in Texas who knows all about that stuff and they're like no I'm not talking about Texas I'm talking about dollars taxes and he's like yeah dollars taxes that's where he lives <laughs> that's great uh, yeah. but yeah it's like I feel like when um Miss Piggy gets introduced to this she kind of like I feel like I've kind of undervalued Miss Piggy until I'm I'm watching it on this on this watch <laughs> and I'm understanding like oh she's like really elevating the comedy here because yeah. once we get her we get they're having fun with the puppet like the puppet becomes it becomes much more of a joke I feel like and they're able to do more the puppet is giving a performance somehow yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way that is very comedic 
Um, yeah, I love their fantasy sequence. Like, she's up there, she gets the award at the beauty pageant, which is already just, like, absurdity that, like, she sits up on this throne, they give her the tiara, and then she, like, makes eye contact with Kermit, and just, like, it just zooms in on Kermit, and then we just proceed to get this, like, four-minute, like, just fantasy sequence of them, like, in these different costumes, and it's just, like, all these elaborate pieces of him just, like, chasing after her, and it's just, like, it's just gorgeous, because, like, it's a legitimately great part of the movie, where it's just, like, when they go off and the sunset and like they're married together and it's just like yeah it's just like this is like a legitimately heartfelt like love at first sight moment but it's elevated by the fact that yeah we have miss piggy and like <laughs> all of these outrageous costumes and like a gown and all this shit it's just amazing and when they're on a date there's actually it feels like there's actually tension between them <laughs> and it's yeah. like an awkward tension that like they're really mining for comedy um, yeah, she but shows it's just up late. Puppets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, she's sorry, I made you wait. And he's like, "No, it's okay." <laughs> and then Steve Martin, yeah, comes and pours the champagne. Um, and then we get that fight. With, we get the Mel Brooks scene, and we get Miss Piggy doing her uh, trademark karate chops, her hayas. Yes. Um, she does some wrestling moves, which are very good, where they're literally just throwing the bu- the puppet off a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the pan up, and she's on the raptor. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, who's who's your favorite Muppet? Um, I think it might. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I want to say Kermit just because I think I just appreciate his deadpan and feel like he's he just might be the funniest one. But I don't know. I I like Rolf because he has my favorite line in the movie when he says, "A broken heart for every drop of rain, a shattered dream for every falling star." It just like just drops just like a bar of like just a poetic just like a chunk of thing like just something really heavy and I was looking on the Wikipedia and I think it says uh one of the lines it's not sorted uh, sorry it's not cited but it says that uh Rolf is the Muppet that was most similar to what Jim Henson was like actually like and I think that's kind of interesting yeah, but like Fozzie's great, just the waka waka when he goes up on stage. It's like, yeah, he's gonna do stand up, and he just goes up and just just says waka waka and honks a horn. It's like, yeah, it's like your bit isn't like your set isn't very strong here, but like I appreciate the dedication and just rolling his belly around. He's just a, a really great. Um, the America the Beautiful uh, song that was the one I was just like, this is kind of weird. I don't know how I feel about this, but like I don't know. They they match it with some really like nice photography of like the heartland and so i don't know like it's cool like it had like there's clearly some sentimental value here yeah um i think if i have a favorite muppet i think it would probably be gonzo because he's a weird little freak yeah (laughs) uh i i feel like i i really connected with him in the muppet babies show when i was a kid because it's like i feel like there was a plot line about him not knowing where he's from because he's not an identifiable creature yeah um and so he had this sort of like uh loneliness and uh i don't know he, he didn't really he had a, he didn't really know where he belonged and i think i sympathized with that as a kid yeah <laughs> uh, i feel that i think here i was a little bit more critical i was just like okay we have another character who's also funny wisecracking i didn't quite get what his character was supposed yeah. to be like we like dr teeth and the uh, electric mayhem it's like okay great we got like our hippie band like 
just jamming out inside of the broken down church and like you can sort of get it and like the one guy is like oh like i forget his name like, oh he's off beat right now he's just kind of just like totally just like the saxophone players like totally off sync with everyone else he's just zoned out and you can sort of get that vibe and the dynamic immediately and like you can see that oh they they want to make money they're a traveling band and you can sort of get it but with gonzo it's like, oh yeah he's, his wife is a chicken <laughs> like it's kind of it's, <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's, strange it's, it's hell of I absurd i feel like <laughs> when i got older and started watching these movies i was like I, this, I, I used to love this character and I feel like this isn't really the character that I grew up with like he f- seems a little underutilized I feel like he's like what are his big traits that he he loves chickens like that's his thing <laughs> yeah he's got yeah. a weird nose yeah he also has like a really sentimental song that's like kind of not as uh, sorry it doesn't hit as hard as uh, Rainbow Connection does in the beginning of the movie it sort of has like that I want song at the like the beginning of the first act. And so when Gonzo does it in the middle, I was like, okay, like I, I sort of get that. Yeah, it's another sentimental wanting uh, kind of guy. He doesn't really know where he belongs. But yeah, there's sort of that. That's kind of the, the through line with all of these Muppets is there's kind of like misfits and they're, yeah, they're all kind of rejects. <laughs> and so they all sort of bond together. Um, what'd you think of that Orson Welles cameo? Oh, uh, I thought it was great. I kind of spoiled myself on it, and I was like, yeah, kind of scrolling through IMDb, and I was like, oh fuck, I wish I would have saw that happen naturally because all of the other cameos in the movie, I was really delighted when everyone else shows up. Like Richard Pryor as the balloon salesman guy is really random, and um, yeah, like Mel Brooks as like the Nazi doctor, I thought was a very interesting that was so choice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a really edgy take, and holy shit, like seeing Kermit like strapped to the chair with a little thing on top of it, I was like, we're really going here. Like this is like making me kind of nervous. Like like I know he's gonna be okay, but like you're really making me like really nervous about this this puppet frog because he's strapped in. This this Nazi doctor made everyone else leave the room. We like who knows what can. Yeah, it's like this is a family movie right <laughs> he comes out and he does the goose step immediately i was like holy shit i was like yeah. but it's mel brooks and so i was like okay it's like kind of funny and i feel like it had to have been his idea yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. i feel yeah. like like with the steve martin stuff too i feel like this is steve martin doing yeah it. like this is what he brought to the table like i i, I don't know that they told him to wear shorts yeah. i feel like that was probably him <laughs> yeah it's, it's really great and then yeah him just being like a very disgruntled waiter just kind of it is yeah it helps a little bit but yeah orson welsh showing up and delivering like a couple of lines just being incredibly powerful so i say I, I keep going back to this i want that cameo lifestyle i want to be able to show up in the third act of the movie drop three lines and, and <laughs> disappear that's like that's the that's the creme de la creme right there he him puffing on the cigar turning around in the chair and yeah <laughs> uh, print up a contract, uh, print up a rich and uh, famous contract for me. It's just like, yeah, it's just, just so absurd. Just the way that it's delivered. It's just, it's just fun. Who are some good people? So if they're, I, I know they are making Muppet movies today, but like, who are some people nowadays you'd like to see have a cameo in these? Um, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I, I would like to see like Will Forte or like someone from like that Tim and Eric kind of. Yeah, alumni. I think John C. Riley would be good. Yeah, some like yeah, John C. Riley would would work really well. But yeah, I think Will Forte has that like weird energy. He could work well with the Muppets, and the, I think they were they did Muppet stuff on SNL back in the day too, right? Oh, I don't know about that actually. Yeah, I was kind of browsing through the Wikipedia page and they were talking about they were definitely like did they host like, ones or something no it was more <laughs> during that like 70s and 80s era there would be like oh it's like a segment where it's like sometimes it was like a song or sometimes it would just be like a skit it's like involving huh. 
a Jim Henson produced Muppet, but it's like more edgy and they would like be more mischievous. Talk about getting drunk. <laughs> uh, I think Jim Cummings would be a nice cameo. <laughs> I, yeah. He doesn't have the same level of fame that others have, but I think it'd be nice to just see him playing a cop in a scene. Yeah, well, here's one. If you could do, like, a Muppet movie based on, because they, like, have done, like, Treasure Island and A Christmas Carol, if you could do, like, a oh, Muppet gosh. store, like, based on, like, a, a, a classic tale or, like, you know, what, what would you do? That's a really good... I have to, like, look up a list of just, like... I'm sure they could do... Have they done Moby Dick yet? Uh, yeah, that would be... That would be really great, yeah. <laughs> Muppets at Sea. Although I think mm-hmm. that might be some elements of that in Treasure Island, I assume. Yeah, probably. Some, some ship stuff. Have they done a Western? <laughs> oh, that's... I feel like that. maybe, like, dipping into, like, different genres could be good. Um, yeah, that would be rad. Yeah. How about you? Do you have one in mind? Um... No, I, I I was just kind of thinking of that while asking you, but uh, I don't really have one in mind. I, I think it would have to be something, like, really specific. Like, I don't know. Don like... Quixote? <laughs> I don't know. Give it to Gonzo. <laughs> yeah, do you like Muppets and, like, Jonah and the Whale or something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, of Mice and Men? <laughs> uh, no, or 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men all with 12 Muppets. Angry... That, yeah, okay, I could see that. Yeah, I think this screenplay is just really strong. I just really wasn't expecting it for it to be as like really tight and funny and just kind of elevated at the way it was. I want to go back to the the screenplay gag. I just was really like, when it gets set up, it's like okay, this is cool as a joke. But then when they get saved at the end, it just like it just makes so much sense and it's kind of like oh yeah, this is like really tight writing where you are you are aware of this gag happening like in the first or second act and so when they show up to get saved it's just like yeah like this totally makes sense and it goes along with this framing device of it being meta and so yeah Yeah. it just helps him get to los angeles and it's just i don't know it's just it's just really great and it kind of just moves things along really quickly yeah i definitely like that it wasn't a one-time gag um that it paid off uh what do you think about the giant animal eating the (laughs) the grow pills oh (laughs) scaring away the (laughs) villains scaring away the villains um, c- pretty convenient solution to that problem. The villains learned nothing. There was this <laughs> attempt to try and, uh, you know, apply some humanity to them to uh, have them seek inward, and then they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So the movie just kind of resolves itself. But um, I don't know. I think the movie most like to me it it it's like it functions as like a. I, I don't think it's a great movie. Uh, it's not a great story. It feels like it's mostly just a showcase of music and then also you know some the muppet humor muppet gags and uh these cameos um i'm assuming the ones that have more of like a stronger through line will be more satisfying um yeah because i think that's really what's missing here uh there's nothing there's nothing for me to like you know sink my teeth into really yeah it is very um broken up into you could probably say like like vignettes and pieces and it feels very much like i would assume the show where yeah you're getting songs you're getting different gags you're getting different bits and yeah it's like it's a road trip movie and so yeah it's just about kind of getting to this place and even when they get there it's like yeah he's just like okay yeah i'm just gonna give you guys this contract because you like you made it you want yeah, it so sure, it's whatever like, <laughs> doesn't yeah, matter it's like, yeah it's it's it's, it's it really cut and dry which i'm i'm like fine with because yeah it's like you just want to get to yeah. this big chaotic uh final number which you get this great like pull out uh sorry there's a um pull back or whatever 
uh, with the rainbow over all of these Jim Henson produ- uh, produced yeah. puppets. And yeah, it's just like this, that shot really got me. So I was like, oh, wow, this is great uh, feeling of like camaraderie and like, hey, like we like did this small production thing and now we're like, we're on the big screen and like we have yeah. all of these properties and it's just like this big it's a, collective. A band. celebration of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was really into that. So I was like, okay, this is really cool. And like, I think it's definitely like earned because like I didn't know much about Jim Henson or any of this kind of stuff. So like seeing like all, like all these songs and like these productions and just being swept up in this was a really great way to spend an afternoon. I think it's, uh, yeah, it is like probably not as like, meaty is probably like Christmas Carol or uh, Treasure Island or Muppet Caper which are dealing with like genre driven things and kind of play with those genres more so really looking forward to that but a solid solid first movie really really good cameos if you like cameos it's interesting to me that Disney had purchased the Muppets and it feels like they didn't really do much with it I don't know yeah Um, I mean they're still kind of doing things but it's like it doesn't feel like it's this massive property that they own the same way, you know, some of their other properties do. Yeah, I was thinking that, like, after I finished watching it, I was like, this feels like a movie that would be a, a part of another, like, nostalgia is a huge thing right now, and, like, there's so many other, like, reboots and, like, remakes, and, like, this got its time in the, like, it had that moment in, like, 2011, 2013, or whatever. But, yeah, I feel like it could be so much bigger than what it is, and for um, the amount of, like, fun that is within the Muppets. It's like, yeah, like there's music, there's gags. There's like, there's just so much different kinds of things to get enjoyment from. So. And like, is part of it that like, as a culture, we've kind of moved beyond this style of comedy. Maybe. Yeah. Um, because they keep trying it. Like they had a show in like 2016, I think 2015, yeah. 2016 on ABC. Um, I think it only lasted a season though. Um, yeah, and then there was that really, really, really bad-looking movie, The Happy Time Murders, that came out in 2017. Uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't Muppets though. But yeah, I still like puppets. <laughs> uh, damn, my um, we've moved beyond puppets. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think it still it ties into that thing where you kind of need at least back in the day. It looks like the Muppets were able to stand on their own in the original movies, at least in this movie, but then like get like other bigger actors kind of holding the movies later on. But like having Jason Siegel, maybe like not the best leading man, like he's great, like with, with the Muppets, but maybe you might need like a better leading guy or a better person to sort of get the movie franchise and be at that level. You know, I did not, I did not watch the Muppet Haunted Mansion, the most recent one. So, I mean, that, that, that means they have done something with the, with uh, this cast of characters, but uh, yeah, I don't know if it if it was maybe streaming is the better place for them. You know, you release these holiday specials, you gather around the family, it becomes uh, a tradition rather than you know throwing your weight around this to get into theaters. Yeah, I think it really could live on as just like yeah, a seasonal thing, or like yeah, I could say we joked about yeah them hosting the Oscars. I think that's a really solid. I think idea. that would be great. <laughs> that's a really <laughs> yeah. solid idea because like. <laughs> You, like they work with that uh, broadcast. Vaudeville yeah, the whole thing is about thing. like incorporating celebrities into these different like sketches and stuff. Well, yeah, let them do the thing that they do well. Um, Definitely. Anything else on the Muppet movie? Um, I 
I think, yeah, just the idea of the villain making, like, having a frog like a business, I think that's, like, kind of morbid and kind of dark, and I really enjoyed that, (laughs) like, that being kind of, like, the whole thing is, like, yeah, so he wants Kermit to be the mascot of this, like, (laughs) like, this genocidal kind of thing, (laughs) super fucking dark. And hiring a hitman to go after him? Yeah, but like the frog killer when he shows up, it's like in this crazy makeup. It's like holy shit, this is just insane. Um, I, I thought that was just just really great. And that, and then uh, I just like the Waldorf and Statler uh, rib very on early on in the movie. There's like it's a private screening because they're afraid to show it in public. And I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna use that yeah. line moving forward. It's a solid solid line. So yeah, that's about it for me for the Muppet movie. What have you been watching this week? Um, I went to the theater. And I once again saw everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> I nice. saw it for a second time. Uh, it's been about 10 days since the first time I saw it. And I've thought about it every day since. <laughs> um, yeah, like that movie. I feel like I haven't seen enough conversation about it. Just it's like the myth of Sisyphus. So uh, are you familiar with the myth of Sisyphus? Somewhat. I think you might need to refresh me. Though. So it's. It's, uh, you know, the Sisyphus is cursed by the gods to roll a boulder up a, up a mountain repeatedly. Um, rolls it, rolls it up, falls back down. He goes back down, rolls it again. And there's this idea that, um, I think Camus talked about it, how it's a, it's a metaphor for life and that life is absurd. We, we live in this, you know, we've been tasked with this with some sort of absurd toil and the only way we can get through it is that we must imagine Sisyphus happy that he has found some value in what he is doing he has found some pleasure in it and pride in it and that has allowed him to overcome the gods um and so I don't know everything everywhere all at once it's just you know the weight of everything can destroy you um, it can overwhelm you with despair. And what's beautiful about this movie is it's just like someone it's it's about how do you okay, what meaning do we find then? You know, if we're we're not rolling a we're not rolling a boulder up a hill, we're but we're doing the same shit every day. We're either doing laundry or we're doing taxes. We're swirling around like laundry in a machine. Yeah. Um so it's like how what do we find where do we find meaning? Are we finding it? in our relationships uh are we finding it in a raccoon <laughs> uh, like where how do we get through this experience uh this absurdity of existence um and it's really fucking good <laughs> like, yeah. so yeah love that movie and one of the one of the things okay so i i've started reading like negative criticisms of this movie uh i go on like letterbox and read the worst reviews And one of the things I'm noticing is that a lot of these negative reviews are very poorly thought out. (laughs) Like they're (laughs) very poorly reasoned. Uh, The criticisms are poor and unimpressive, Um, which is very good for this movie. (laughs) Um, So yeah, solid movie. If you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, go fucking see this movie. Um, Yeah, this is one to to run to and to support. Like the map. Like I didn't... (laughs) expect to feel as many emotions as i would within a two-hour time frame in a public movie theater uh yeah yeah how about you what have you been watching lately so this week i've been watching a few things um i just want to give a shout out to 
Abbott Elementary. Been like binge watch that in like literally like a day and a half. Uh, it's just a really great like sitcom. Like, and it's fucking oh, shit. Botching this. Uh, let me start over. <laughs> I was like reading my notes and talking at the same time. So yeah, I've been watching Abbott Elementary. I watched like the whole season in like a day and a half, and it's really fucking funny. Um, I know you sort of criticize the sort of office style of shooting, and that's mm-hmm. basically like <laughs> the visual vocabulary here, but I think it's more acceptable for a comedy, and you're criticizing it on succession. But I think it goes into people who are talking about succession, like it was shot like true detective, but it's you know, it's shot like the office, and so it's yeah. kind of just like claustrophobic and kind of messy. But I think that visual vocabulary is very appropriate for something like Abbott Elementary because like we have the office and you have like parks and recreation and other like kind of copycat sitcoms in that style but I think here it's doing something very fresh the setting is like a black public school in Philadelphia it's a mostly black cast and like you have uh, Quinta Brunson at the like the center of it and she's kind of like the Leslie like the Leslie Nope kind of she's like, really optimistic but she's surrounded by people that are just, like, jaded for very different reasons and it's just a really great ensemble this is a uh, 20 minute episodes you know like classic sitcom thing and it's just really really funny um I like the season finale was last night. And so I was happy to catch up on that and watch the season finale yesterday because it was great. Really, really good. This first season and apparently like really positively reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah. My suspicion about the, you know, style of shooting, the office style of shooting is that one day it will feel sort of like the way it feels to watch a sitcom with a laugh track now yeah. where it's like, Oh, this is weird. Like, why are the like, so in this show, do the characters talk to the camera and stuff? Yes. And they do do the, the, the dumb thing where you get a zoom in to emphasize a punchline. Yeah. And there's moments where it's like, it's really, really obvious where it's like, I, it does feel like it's kind of holding it back in some ways where it could just be a, like a show shot, like community or something like that, where you sort of don't have to rely on those yeah. like visual cues but uh, i don't know i think just the fact that everyone here is so funny i think it kind of distract it helps kind of distract from the visual style yeah yeah i mean it's a style it's like people you can have success within that style <laughs> like i'm not gonna criticize the style as a whole um yeah, yeah with succession amazing. with succession it's just like why this style <laughs> yeah like i said it's like people talk about succession like it's shot like one of the greatest oh. like visual <laughs> like, you know like i like if it was shot like euphoria was shot then it'd be like oh this is fucking incredible but, but i think like it's kind of clashing with like style and what they're trying to pull off and they're doing they're, how is this the most effective way to portray this yeah yeah i don't know that's that's what they like um but yeah um speaking of like style and uh types of jokes and like types of shows um woke on hulu is back right now and i've been watching that and like I don't know. It's really interesting having this show, like they did like the season two drop where all the episodes kind of just dropped at once. And this show kind of has shown up at the same time that Atlanta is airing, which is also on the same platform. And I think that Atlanta is sort of dominating the conversation online because the last episode was about reparations. And even the fans of that show on Reddit have just been like, they don't even know how the fuck to talk about it. They're just really? like, it's, it's, yeah, it's just really divided. There was actually like a poll a few weeks ago and they're like, what are like the demographics? And then it was just like 75% white. And then people were just like, holy shit. But I, I mean, like, how yeah, much of just Reddit? You know? <laughs> uh, it's just Reddit. Well, of course it's Reddit. You have to understand where you are having these conversations. But yeah. after that poll, it's like all of the discussions sort of took weird turns and have been okay. like, they've been less productive, I think. 
Um, so it's just funny, like, that show seems to have a much more active fan base than Woke. Woke is in his second season, shot in San Francisco, has one of my favorite actors, uh, Blake Anderson, in it. And, hmm. like, I don't know, I think the concept is really good. Are you aware of the, the concept of the no. show? So this is about, like, the uh, artist who gets uh, mistaken for someone else by a cop and kind of gets, like, assault, not, not like, fully unassaulted, but kind of just, like, uh, uh, detained or, like, apprehended by a police officer Miss, uh, miss, uh, mistaken identity essentially for another black person and after that moment his uh, comic work becomes more political uh, woke so to speak and so after this moment with the police it's like oh shit now I want to you know use my voice for this good political struggle and I want to use my voice for you know yeah. to uplift other black people and people of color and like I think the concept is great because after that he starts interacting with inanimate objects that are like talking to him. So he like, after that, like he goes into the liquor store and then like the 40 bottles are like, Hey man, like you should have like done more in that conversation or like his Sharpie is like talking to him. Like, Hey, like you should do like a more political thing. Like here, like it's like this whole kind of Muppets esque thing. If you like, sort so of speak, we're like, like there's parts like the environment is literally talking to him and i and like i think that conceit like that idea was amazing and they kind of pulled back on that in season two where there's not as much like inanimate objects kind of like you know, hey brother like what the fuck were you doing I, I just like really loved that part of it and it helped just like i don't know it helped uh be a good contrast from just the heavy racial <laughs> topics that you're kind of dealing with yeah. like race and gender and sexuality and all this kind of stuff and uh, i don't know i think having the inanimate 40 bottles or inanimate garbage cans kind of helped make things light and they've had less of that in season two which i'm kind of disappointed about i wonder so, if, yeah i wonder if like it was a note from the network or something or if it just like felt too gimmicky and they had to dial it reel it in you know i don't know they were having like so many like good guest stars like you have, like cedric the entertainer showing up and like you, you like you have these great moments of cameos and like really fun like vibrant things where you, you like really don't really know where you can have like the the character sort of show up or like the eyes and mouth kind of pop up and so yeah. when it does happen it's like really great but yeah i feel like it could be a note from the you know the higher ups being like hey less of that they introduce a new character and like it's more about just like solving social problems and i don't know it's just it, it's it's in a weird space where i think it could be a great show. It's shot in San Francisco. It's set in San Francisco. Yeah, cool. So like, I really want to be like, hey, this show is fucking awesome and like champion this show. But it's kind of like just, and it's like kind of like in the middle ground. I don't know. It's it's weird. Cool. Um, you got any uh, Elden Ring updates for me? <laughs> um, as far as Elden Ring, uh, don't really have any updates. Have you heard about the whole um, let me solo? Uh, her yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, that was pretty pretty sweet. That it's was like cool that there's like a, a community legend. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for the listeners, <laughs> what Let Me Solo Her is, there's a very difficult boss in Elden Ring call. Is it Millennia? Millennia? Yes, Millennia. Uh, who, yeah, very, very difficult boss, like infamous. People are saying like they got to up, update this boss, make her easier or something. She's um, very hard. Very I haven't hard fought boss. her. I haven't fought her yet um yeah she she um can do a grab that at least the grab one hits me every single time and so yeah i've done like 15 fights or so and like i'll think i'll get a good rhythm and then she'll just grab me and end the fight she'll be like oh no this this fight's over <laughs> so one of the mechanics in this game is you can summon other players to come help you fight a boss 
And every time you summon someone, the boss will scale to the number of players. So the boss will get more health the more players you summon. You can summon a maximum of three, I think. Yeah. Uh, some player out there updated his character name to the phrase, let me solo her. So a player will be in their world. They'll see this sign on the ground to summon someone. They'll go, they'll go and it'll say, do you want to summon player? Let me solo her before this boss fight. Uh, they'll, they'll summon him. And the ma- the character appears as a man who is wearing no armor. He is just, just wearing his underwear, except <laughs> for a jar on his head. <laughs> and he goes in and he fights millennia by himself. And he doesn't, he, he, either doesn't take a hit or very rarely will take a hit. Um, yeah. There's a mechanic with her. Well, she'll heal if uh, you take damage. Yeah. Which so is if you're actively insane. fighting, yeah, like, like, yeah, it's just, it's you just can't get hit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this, <laughs> apparently this, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, apparently this guy, that's like his thing that like a number of players have encountered this guy named let me solo her and they summon him and then they just sit and watch. And like, there was even a video of two people summoning him. So, uh, or a player summoning him who had already summoned someone else. And they both just sat and watch this guy fight the boss when the boss is scaled to three players. Um, yeah, this is ridiculous. And so some people have like claimed that, okay, maybe this guy, he's maybe he's training for a no hit run of the game. And the only way to practice against these bosses is to get summoned. Um, so he's just repeatedly getting summoned on these different bosses. Yeah. But, because you can't do that uh, willingly. You have to get summoned to fight. Yeah. Boss over again. So, yeah, maybe that maybe that's what's happening here. Maybe he's just training. But either way, it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> cool that there's like this I don't know fan, this ghost out there, this phantom, this this hero, this wandering <laughs> this, this samurai. Uh, who's yeah, just I have to say, out. I saw that and I immediately went on and I like went to that area of the game because I'm there and I was like waiting around and then I went on to find out that he's a PC player yeah. and because it's not cross. Um, platform is cross gen is cross generational so if you're a ps4 player you can play with a ps5 player but you cannot play with the pc player if you're a ps5 player and so i was just like i i was so (laughs) disappointed that i couldn't get to encounter this person uh uh, get to meet this man but or woman or they you know i mean the character is male presenting um yeah Hey, just, could, it's the residual self-image we, we talked about the matrix yeah. before you know? yeah your idealized self is just underwear and a jar on your head <laughs> like yeah my ideal self could be you know the beautiful squidward from spongebob and just yeah. be a, a green man with the approach yeah no why why wasn't that a thing that people like in the matrix just show up like freaks <laughs> <laughs> like hey it's just who i am no, they're just they very <laughs> chic BDSM vibes. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's like my ideal self is very sunglasses. Need <laughs> to be very fuckable. It's like, no, I, I want to be a, a big guy with a jar on my head. Yeah, I'm not around. tougher, at least. <laughs> like, I'm not like a couple inches taller. <laughs> yeah, in Elden Ring, I gave myself purple hair because I don't have the energy to even fucking try that in real life. It's like I could, but like I don't want to have those conversations. So I'll let my avatar do it. <laughs> all right so next week uh it's your choice you gotta you gotta pick right yeah so like i said i like had a huge gap in my childhood with not seeing many of these movies and not having 
any really knowledge about Jim Henson. And you mentioned at the top of this episode. So I was like, I think we need to do Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Because I think <laughs> that is something that is very popular. I was really not sure if I was going to do Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, but I think online the consensus is that Labyrinth is just a little bit more well put together. This so. whole time that we've been recording this, I've been fidgeting with this enamel <laughs> pin that's on my desk which is a caterpillar from the movie, The Labyrinth. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, it just sits on my, it fell off my jacket and I didn't find another pin back for it. So it's just been sitting on my desk and I play with it every time we record. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Jim Henson's Labyrinth. So yeah, it's been episode 81 of Vague Zone. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or notes about the Muppets franchise that we're about to take on, let us know. You can tweet at us at Zone on Twitter. Let us know what you're watching. If you want to watch along with us, what you think about Woke on Hulu. Let us know how woke you are by tweeting at us. That's what Twitter's for. It's about yeah. outwoking people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. I'll catch you on the next one.